Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Mike. Lauren. Mike, what is your favorite part of the metaverse? Um, it's the part where you log off and go outside. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could disagree, but I can't. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, okay, for the sake of this podcast, though, can we just can we maybe just step into the metaverse for a little bit? All right, let me put on my Oculus glasses, and I'll be right there. All right, activated. <laughs> Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Metaverse. I mean, welcome to Gadget Lab. I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. And I'm Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. We're also joined in the Metaverse by Wired senior writer Ariel Pardez, who joins us from... Where are you, Ariel? Uh, does it really matter in 2021 where we are if we're all in the Metaverse? No, you could be anywhere right now. You could be in a forest. You could be in Oakland. You could be in Nazare. Let's just say I'm inside of the mind of Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> well, we're talking about Facebook again. In case you haven't been refreshing your news feed this week, there's a lot of news out of Facebook. They had their annual software developers conference held virtually on Thursday. We saw a bunch of new stuff that is supposed to enable developers to build things for this idea of the metaverse. We heard a little bit more about Mark Zuckerberg's vision for what the metaverse will look like. And we heard about Facebook's name change. I don't even know if we should be calling it Facebook right now. Ariel, what are we supposed to be calling Facebook? Tell us about this. The company formerly known as Facebook is now called Meta, as in metaverse, as in a metastasizing cancer, as AOC tweeted today. Uh, this is supposed to signal that the company uh, is not just a social media company anymore. It's not just the news feed. It's not just Instagram. It's in fact a company and um, that's all about the metaverse. Back up just a little bit, because earlier this week, Facebook reported its third quarter earnings, and it talked about how it was going to break apart some of the top line for another one of its divisions, right? So there are all these different products and divisions of Facebook. Um, tell us how that works and how it's going to be broken out now. 
So the Facebook that you know right now, which Facebook sometimes calls the family of apps, Instagram, WhatsApp, Oculus, stuff like that, uh, is now going to be broken into this division that it calls the family of apps. Um, On the other hand, it has this new thing called Facebook Reality Labs, which is the the new home for all of its products that deal with the metaverse and um, whatever else the future of computing looks like. Can, can we just take a moment and I know we've done this on this show before, but can we define what the metaverse is? Because we all sort of had an idea of what it was going into Facebook Connect today. And uh, I think it's probably changed. I'm happy to take a stab at this because I just went on the BBC earlier this week at an ungodly hour in the morning, Pacific Coast time, to uh, to talk about this. And my answer was, it depends on who you ask. Mm. But the most consistent description I've heard from different technologists is that it is the successor to the mobile internet. So the way in which we experienced uh, the web, you know, 20 years ago was very different from the way we have experienced it over the past decade or so with mobile phones in our hands and the way in which we share information with apps and pull, you know, or receive information from apps. And that the metaverse is kind of this next version of this where um, it extends beyond or sort of transcends the current internet. It's still a place where apps run and exist and developers will be building for the metaverse, but it's supposed to create this kind of uh, persistent experience of connectivity where you go from one virtual space to the next. You can bring your digital assets with you from space to space and like you experience people not as these little boxes in Zoom like we are right now as we tape this podcast, but they're around you. It's an embodied internet, Mark Zuckerberg said. It sounds so dystopian. Yeah, a lot of what we saw at Connect today was this idea that you'll have an avatar that moves through various spaces online. So you might be working remotely on a different planet in the metaverse. And then you might move into a sort of shopping mall where you get to buy things like real things that you're paying real digital money for. Um, and then you might move into a video game and and you, you bring a sort of cohesive identity with you through all these spaces, um, but they're not really physical spaces. It's kind of pushing the physical world into the digital one. Oh, so this is actually used for NFTs. Like if I <laughs> want to buy an NFT hat, I can wear it in the metaverse. Yeah, exactly. And it really explains a lot of uh, the other, you know, Zuckerbergian ambitions that we've heard about lately. Like it explains why the company has an interest in developing cryptocurrency. It explains why the company's put so much effort into the backend interoperability of its various apps. Um, all of this starts to make sense when you think about, you know, a company that wants to be more than just social media and messaging and wants to actually be the place that you spend all of your time when you're online. So I think in the second half of the show, we're going to get back to this idea of the metaverse. We're going to talk about what it takes to plug into the metaverse and who the different players are that are building stuff for this next layer of the internet. But I want to go back quickly to the name change, because Ariel, you've written about this for Wired a couple times this week. And there have been a lot of references to Google, Google having done this and become Alphabet a few years ago. What actually is the significance of Facebook changing its name right now? 
Well, there are a couple reasons that corporations would change their name. So Google renamed itself Alphabet to kind of signal a corporate restructuring um, and to, to show that the company wasn't just a search engine. It has all these other entities as well. Um, Apple did something similar when it put out the iPhone and it became just Apple, whereas before it was Apple Computers. Um, so there's there's benefits to corporations renaming themselves um, to clarify what they do or how they're structured. And, and certainly Meta has some elements of that. Um, but Facebook is also in one of the most difficult moments in its entire history. Like there's never been more scrutiny, both from Congress, from the public, from Wall Street uh, on this company. And so, you know, there's one clear benefit in changing the name, which is that it allows you to change the narrative. Um, of course, the company is still the same. Mark Zuckerberg is still the same. Um, but by calling it something else, you have the benefit of maybe distancing yourself from some of the bad press, from some of the bad sentiment um, that exists with the name Facebook and, and sort of moving into a space where people might be willing to give the company a bit more trust, maybe. And the primary app is still going to be called Facebook, right? Like we're not going to open our phones tomorrow and it's going to refresh and all of a sudden we're going to be tapping on an app called Meta. <laughs> right. Facebook... The app remains Facebook, the app, um, but Facebook, the company is now meta. And I think that's really important, actually. Um, a lot of the bad sentiment around Facebook, which is one of the most recognizable brands in the world, um, really goes back to that that blue app, right? I mean, people have beef with Instagram, people have beef with Oculus, people have beef with WhatsApp, but not really to the same extent that the Facebook app has left a bad taste in people's mouths. And so I think, you know, a, a clear benefit in this name change is that you get to kind of erase some of that bad taste um, by saying, no, 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 our brand is something totally new. Like the thing you hate is that app that your uh, parents use to post weird memes. Like that's something totally different. Uh, we, the company, are meta and we're, we're bigger than that. We're better than that. Um, we're headed in a new direction. And, you know, whether or not people buy that, I think is, you know, that remains to be seen. But that's certainly the intention. Do we have any sense of what other names Facebook had been considering? I don't. I heard a lot of rumors. Um, for example, I heard that Horizon uh, could be the name. That's what they call some of their new metaverse uh, VR apps. Um, interestingly, Horizon is the name of the kind of big evil tech company in HBO's new Scenes from a Marriage. So I was hoping that would be their new name so I could make some memes. But, you know, you can't always get what you want. We heard a lot of new names today beyond Meta, or at least we heard project names and code names, right? So there's, um, on the hardware side, there's Project Cambria, which is a new high-end heads-up display that Facebook's been working on. It's still in the prototype phase. There's Project Aria, which is uh, their AR glasses. They've also talked about Project Nazare. I have to be honest, I'm not 100% sure what that is. I have to go back and rewatch that part of the presentation. And then within the virtual environment, I mean, you mentioned Horizon, Ariel, but like there's a lot going on there. It's like you use the Oculus Quest to get into your home, which is then you go into Horizon, which now has like workrooms, which is the virtual Zoom thing that our friend Peter Rubin did a couple months ago as part of a Facebook demo. Um, it just feels like this is all part of this land grab for Facebook to just like lay claim over parts of the metaverse. And all the while it's saying it's going to be this very open experience. But what I keep hearing are these like containerized apps. Like here's another environment. Here's another environment. Here's another environment. And by the way, we're Facebook and we own all this. Meta. They're meta and they own all this. <laughs> They're meta and they own all this. All right. 
we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation about the metaverse. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hackers and cybercriminals have always held this kind of special fascination. Obviously, I can't tell you too much about what I do. It's a game. Who's the best hacker? And I was like, well, this is child's play. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and on the Click Here podcast, you'll meet them and the people trying to stop them. We're not afraid of the attack. We're afraid of the creativity and the intelligence of the human being behind it. Click Here, stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. AI machines, satellite, engine ignition, click here, and liftoff. Click here, every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to this Metaverse edition of Gadget Lab. What will podcasts sound like in the Metaverse? That's a good question. We'll have to tackle that another time. (laughs) Ariel, for people who are not super familiar with the the whole idea of the metaverse or maybe haven't used a VR headset before, just don't know what it's like to be like in this really immersive computing experience. Take us through how Zuckerberg presented this idea visually, like how much of it was real and how much of it was some kind of cartoon fantasy of what the metaverse will look like. Right. I mean, the the line between those two things is is so thin. Um, Connect started with Mark Zuckerberg in real life in a room that looked like it might be his living room or you know someone's very, very nice home. Um, and one of the first things that he did was create an avatar for himself. Um, in, in his case, he chose something that looked identical to him in his kind of like boring uniform. Um, but you know, once he once he created this avatar, he kind of moved into what we're meant to understand as the metaverse. And that's basically like being in a space that looks very similar to the one he's in in real life, um, except for that he can interact with people who are at a great distance away. Um, and they might show up in a weird avatar costume like Andrew Bosworth showing up like a robot. Um, He kind of moved fluidly through spaces that were meant to be more like a home, spaces that were meant to replicate a virtual workplace, um, various video games and sort of entertainment spaces. And it's not exactly like just being in a virtual reality world, although some of it certainly is. Um, The concept of the metaverse is that you might be like wearing a VR headset, interacting in a completely virtual space as an avatar. And then, for example, you know, your wife might call and send you a video of your dog running around, which is actually like a, a thing that happened during Connect. You know, Mark receives this call from Priscilla and, uh, you know, like watches this sort of 2D web 2.0 image of his dog um, and then kind of falls right back into his virtual world. So I think the idea is that you're um, you're not just in VR or AR in the way that you could be right now with a particular game or a particular platform. Like all of these games, platforms, spaces, um, environments kind of merge together as if you're wandering some sort of giant metaverse mansion and you know every door opens up a a new opportunity to be somewhere else with other people you know you know doing something totally different 
So about that VR headset that he was wearing, um, you know, Facebook owns Oculus, which is one of the leading manufacturers of VR headsets. But it feels like there has to be a level of interoperability here for this to work, because like what we're talking about, the metaverse, we're talking about this layer between you and all of the computing that you do. Well, all of the computing that you do is not necessarily something that you can view through VR glasses. Like you use your phone, you interact with your voice assistant, you know, Siri or Google Assistant or Alexa. You have, you know, televisions that are part of your computing experience. So how does all that stuff fit in? And I guess the second part of this question is, does it work on any other VR headsets or does it just work on Oculus headsets? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I will say that earlier this week, prior to Facebook Connect, there was a briefing that Facebook did with a group of journalists. Wired was a part of that. I attended the briefing. Our friend Peter Rubin attended the briefing. And we got a little bit of a high-level overview of what we might expect to come down the pipeline on Thursday. And Mark Zuckerberg presented at the start of this briefing, you know, just gave kind of like a 10 minute overview of like, here, here's the vision I plan to lay out. And then the rest of the briefing was pretty much run by Andrew Bosworth and a couple of other folks within the Facebook Reality Labs team. And uh, I'll be honest, Zuckerberg did not seem inclined to want to answer questions. He was sort of just going to like hop off the call. And and I but I really, really wanted to ask him about interoperability. I, I just keep thinking about and I said this earlier, this idea that it's that the metaverse is going to be the successor to the mobile internet. But as we know, the mobile internet right now, um, depending on which operating system I suppose you're on, which is one of two for the most part in the world, it can be a pretty closed off experience, right? People call Apple a walled garden for good reason. Um, and even when you're sort of living in an app environment, there are some apps that you're not, you can't really like share data super easily or take your data with you from app to app. And so, like, is the metaverse just going to be an extension of that? And that and that was like a question that I had for Zuckerberg. And um, both he and Bosworth said that they thought that interoperability was a really high priority, especially since one of the fundamental elements of the metaverse is supposed to be this idea of openness. Um, and then Zuckerberg said something like, because the metaverse is going to be designed around people, not apps, that's what's going to make it different. But that mm -hmm. all sounded very loosey-goosey to me, like really nebulous. And, and I didn't have a clear understanding of what that meant. But then it was interesting because later on in the briefing, I have to give credit to The Verge reporter, Addie Robertson, because she just kept asking. She kept saying, OK, so am I going to be able to access Facebook Horizon, this app? on any headset other than the Oculus Quest headset. And then Bosworth gave an answer and then Addie said, yeah, but am I gonna be able to access Facebook Horizon <laughs> on anything other than the Oculus headset? And then Bosworth answered again and then she said, but am I gonna be able to use <laughs> Horizon on like the HTC Vive? And he was like, well, you know, okay, no, but like not currently, but like we hope for that or whatever. And so there is this presentation of this vast metaverse. that's just like a totally open landscape and we're all just kind of roaming the internet freely and taking our digital assets with us everywhere we want to go. But um, right now you do have to have this thing on your, on your face or on your head that is made by a specific company that wants to sell you, even if it's not charging you, wants to sell you on its services more than other company services, I think. Yeah, I think the interoperability piece is, is really interesting because without it, this plan doesn't really work. Um, or or maybe it does work, but Facebook has to build every single piece of it itself and acquire every single competitor so that this, you know, universe-sized piece of computing is is all owned by Meta. Um, 
Yeah, and I guess, Lauren, Mike, I'd be curious if you had thoughts on this, but do we have any sense of, you know, other companies that plan to work with Facebook? My sense right now is that they are really spinning a vision here, but without um, having announced any real partners or uh, plans to partner or sort of um, plans to make this you know, sort of work across companies, platforms and producers. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of the interoperability stuff is going to come from the software development side, right? Like you'd be able to put on your VR headset and then have uh, Slack and Zoom. Oh, and, God, that's the dream, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a little difficult to think about. But like that's that's what I, you know, like the types of experiences you're going to have are going to be dictated by the companies that decide they want to build for this platform. And it's the same thing with every platform, right? Like the platform succeeds or fails based on the the quality and the volume of the software that's available for it. And if putting on a headset and like doing a chat app is a shitty experience, then maybe the thing that's going to drive the metaverse is going to be games or it's going to be like social hangouts or concerts or something like that. I can't imagine like watching a concert in a VR headset is better than watching it on my awesome television with an awesome sound bar in my living room where I can like, you know, get up and move around without having to watch, like pay particular <laughs> attention to where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, I kind of wonder if it's going to shake out similar to the way, and it's hard to know because I don't want to draw exact parallels between the metaverse and our current internet because that would be um, sort of limiting in how we might want to think about the metaverse. But like when I think about the way that entertainment apps have worked in recent years or the way that stores run right now, um, there are always like these strategic partnerships that happen where a large tech company will say, and now we're offering X, you know, now we're offering like Roku on this TV platform. Or Microsoft might say, oh, and now we're like we're, we're working with Google Android um, on this on this mobile phone project, but like we're still going to really promote Microsoft apps more than anything else, right? Like they, they all make these kind of like strategic partnership. We're working with Dropbox or whatever it is. But then when it comes to like the big platforms, like Apple versus Google versus Amazon versus Microsoft. They're not super fast to support each other and run each other's apps and support each other's stores and things like that or, you know, prioritize each other's products, which makes sense. They're all competing in some way or another. So I ha just have a hard time envisioning, like Microsoft Mesh is probably the closest parallel to what Facebook, I would say, is building right now with Facebook uh, Horizon. And it's hard to imagine a world in which the two of them decide to like become super friendly and work together. But you can see a world in which a smaller company, one of the most interesting VR companies I've written about recently is called Spatial out of New York. And like they're working with Microsoft and they're working with Facebook, right? Like you could see a world where that happens. Yeah. Let me ask you both one more quick question before we wrap, which is Facebook announced that some 2D apps will be available in the virtual environment. So Mike, you mentioned earlier Slack. Slack. <laughs> <laughs> and Dropbox is another one which I which I've mentioned. So so I think like the idea is if you do enter Horizon workrooms and you're working with your colleagues, but then a Slack comes through, rather than having to take the headset off to check your, you know, your little laptop there, your laptop on your desk, how old fashioned, that you would just check your Slack within the VR headset. Does that sound more or less enticing to you? Well, I guess it does get around that problem of like, like I was saying about the concert experience, like having to always take off the headset and like look at something in the real world, right? It just allows you to just have that pass through 
um, type experience, you know. Um, and I think that's fine. It does not sound appealing at all. Because, I mean, basically what we're talking about is just, like, adding a bunch of stuff to VR, right? And just, like, making a VR room that is, like, a simulacrum of a real room. And that just does not sound appealing to me just because I've been using a computer, like, in an actual space, in an actual room for a really long time. And like, when I think about putting on a VR headset, the type of experience that I'm craving by putting on a VR headset is not the thing that they're pushing with these apps that show up, you know, on like virtual screens in a virtual room. However, if I am in a workflow where it is like I'm in VR exactly half the time and in non-VR apps the other half the time, then it makes sense to be able to interact with those apps without having to take the headset off and put it back on continuously. I can just like put it on and it's the same thing eventually becomes the same type of behavior as sitting down at my desk and turning on my monitor and just getting to work that I do now. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like that becomes the new norm. Mm -hmm. Then like that's a good way to get us to that norm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it, Mike. And I, I guess that's one way to look at the metaverse is not just as a, a concept that mostly lives in software, but actually like uh, the new form factor for computing where you're in a digital space and the tools that you once used to interact with your computer, like a, a keyboard and mouse, um, might be replaced by what Facebook is calling sort of neural interfaces, like a, a sort of wrist-worn device that picks up on signals from your brain and, you know, helps, you know, simulate the experience of typing, but without ever having to have a keyboard or a mouse around you. Um, that kind of stuff is very exciting to me. Um, I think it's cool to watch what this next, you know, phase of computing might look like. Of course, Mike, I agree with you that as presented today. I'm not totally sure the metaverse is a place I want to live in, especially if it ends up being uh, the remote office, but in VR. <laughs> but, um, but I think this is just the beginning and we'll have to see kind of where things turn out in a couple of years. I would also like to extend the invite to all of you, including Boone, our excellent producer, to come over and use the uh, Supernatural Fitness app sometime with the Oculus Quest 2. Ooh. Yeah, we'll call it the Sweataverse. Whoa. You. <laughs> it's a, I don't know. It's a fitness app that's supposed to be fun. That's all I know. Uh -huh. What is fun? All right, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to give our very real world recommendations. Yes. I'm Reed Hoffman. And I'm Aria Finger. If you're interested in learning about how technology and humanity can come together to make a better future, then possible is for you. We invite ambitious builders and deep thinkers like Trevor Noah, Kara Swisher, Sam Altman, and so many more. Help us sketch out the brightest version of the future and what it will take to get there. If you want to be part of the future today, then subscribe to Possible wherever you listen to podcasts. Ariel, as our guest of honor coming straight to us from the metaverse, what's your recommendation this week? I would like to recommend uh, a film, really more of an experience if you do not want to be in this world anymore. Uh, the film is Dune, uh, which just came out in theaters recently, and it's so good. I, I haven't uh, read the book, which I know is very shameful as a Wired writer. 
Um, <laughs> but having having gone in totally fresh with no idea what Dune was really supposed to be about, I fell completely in love with it. Um, it is such a magical experience. Um, I hope I don't get canceled for saying this. I don't think you will. There's a lot of people who never read the book or people who like, you know, tried to read it and abandoned it after, uh, I don't know, 870 pages, which is like halfway <laughs> through, I think. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen it? Yes. What did you think? No. Loved it. Good. I'm reading it right now. Oh, you're oh, reading the book? I'm reading, reading the book it. on the Microsoft Surface Duo 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is a whole other story. Probably easier than reading it through a pair of... Uh, goggles <laughs> i would say that the kindle app is one of the good apps on the surface duo too nice but full review tk 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 nice mike what's your recommendation this week uh my recommendation is that you uh serve only one master and that master is shy halud i'm just kidding <laughs> that's a dune joke come on I want to recommend a podcast. It is uh, a podcast that I've recommended on this show before in general. It's called the War on Cars podcast, but um, I want to recommend a particular episode. So this podcast is about transportation. It's about, um, you know, city design. It's about driving. It's about riding a bike. It's about pedestrians. It's about policy. So if you have any interest in these things, uh, if you live in a city, if you ride a bike, if you drive a car, if you're in the world of, uh, you know, Uber and Lyft and self-driving cars, it's always fascinating. They always have great guests. The guest on the most recent episode, which is episode number 71, is the food writer, Alicia Kennedy. And having a food writer on a podcast about uh, transportation and infrastructure sounds like an odd mix. Uh, so I was intrigued. I also have always really loved Alicia Kennedy's uh, work. Uh, she does a newsletter. Uh, she writes a lot about food for different publications. Uh, she's also a vegan and a vegetarian. So, you know, like go team V. Anyway, um, they talk about the parallels between driving and eating meat. If you're a person who decides to stop driving a car and start riding a bicycle or walking everywhere because you want to save the environment, uh, you know, people will often consider you some sort of like righteous crusader. And it's the very similar thing that happens when you stop eating meat and decide to go vegetarian or vegan and people see you as some sort of crusader. So uh, it's really interesting conversation. It gets a lot into how we make the choices that we make about our behaviors and how our intentions shape our behaviors is really fascinating. You should check it out. Uh, the War on Cars podcast. You should subscribe to the podcast, but also check out the new episode, episode 71, with guest Alicia Kennedy. It's a great recommendation. Yeah, thanks. that sounds great. Well, thanks. Lauren, what is your recommendation? Well, some of you may be so distracted by the metaverse as put forth by company formerly known as Facebook, that you forgot about the Facebook papers. But earlier this week, Monday morning, many of us woke up to a deluge of news reports about these uh, these so-called Facebook papers. And Wired had its own package of stories um, tied to the papers. And these were shared by a former Facebook employee, Francis Haugen, who has now testified before Congress and has shared these sensitive documents with people just to show how much Facebook has been aware of the social harms that it has been doing to society, but has just sort of 
proceeded in the direction of relentless growth at all costs. So our Wired colleagues, Stephen Levy, Galat Edelman, and Tom Simonite have all been poring over the documents and wrote a series of stories. One is about the ways in which Facebook employees have been trying to lobby for change in recent years and how the executive leadership team has in some cases ignored those pleas. Um, Stephen Levy wrote about how Facebook badge posts, which are exit posts from people who are leaving the company with like those. They take a picture say, of their security badge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they like post to the internal work. I think they call it workplace, yeah. Facebook workplace. Um, Stephen Levy wrote about that and what that reveals about the sort of temperature within the company right now. And then Tom Simonite wrote about Facebook's problems with content moderation in regions outside of the US, where it turns out the company does dedicate most of its resources, um, where it tends to have the biggest public relations problems or face the threat of regulation. But obviously, Facebook is a global company. It's very popular in different parts of the world as well. And they're not dedicating as many resources to content moderation outside of the US. So. I highly recommend checking out this small package we've put together. It's just a few stories, but you can learn a lot about what's going on inside of Facebook from reading them. Uh, there'll probably be more stories as we see more of the documents that are part of the Facebook papers. So yeah, it's a very Facebook heavy show. And that is my recommendation this week. Nice. Yep. Right. Highly recommended to read all three of those. Plus the intro written by Brian Barrett. <laughs> Plus the intro written by our own Brian Barrett. All right. That's our show. Ariel, thanks so much for joining us this week. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. This show is produced by the excellent Boone Ashworth. Goodbye for now. We'll be back next week, hopefully, talking about something other than Facebook. Uh, that's not the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs>Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Come on, of course you do. Introducing The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From PR.